Welcome to the Trinity Galewood podcast. Here you'll find live messages recorded during our weekly services at Trinity. We are a community that desires to look, live, and love more like Jesus. We're located at 1701 North Narragansett in Chicago and meet every Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. We hope you enjoy this episode of the Trinity Galewood podcast. All right, would you pray with me? Father, we thank you uh, that you are a God who is present here with us. And Lord, um, I pray that uh, as we dive into your word and, and learn what that means a little bit more today, that your spirit would guide and lead us to, to know of your presence and that that would shape how we look at others. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, so I love this show on uh, television, The Office. Anybody a fan of The Office here with us today? Okay, so, um, so if you're not a fan, uh, there are these two main characters. Michael, who's the boss. He's kind of, uh, I don't know how to say it, but just not the best boss, but he thinks he's the best boss, right? And he's got his right-hand man, Dwight Schrute. And Dwight is one of the most intense individuals, especially on the show, but in all of television history. He's intense about some weird things, like beets, bears. Oh man, this is my church. I love it, all right? And there's this beautiful scene in the office, one that just reminds me of where we're at today, where Michael is instructing uh, Dwight, and he has some clear, he wants his attention, and he looks to Dwight, and he says, Dwight, I need your undivided attention, and Dwight's doing something else, and he immediately stops, and he looks at Michael, and he says this very phrase, you can't handle my undivided attention. Mean looking. This is a, a great line of Dwight, right? You can't handle my undivided attention. It's so beautiful that this phrase and slogan you can actually purchase on a whiskey glass to drink from. You can't handle my undivided attention. You can get it on a t-shirt in 13 different colors. And and you can also get it as a painting, just to throw out some Christmas ideas for us here, right? That you can't handle my undivided attention. It's a hilarious moment in phrase, but I think it's kind of interesting for us to contemplate. Because frankly, we live in a world that is fighting for our attention. In fact, I was reading some stats just about our cell phones. You know those things like push notifications that you get? On average, the average U.S. smartphone user receives 46 push notifications a day. 46 times. Some company is trying to get your attention. 31% from this survey said that these push notifications are worthless. But only 18% said they're really helpful. But we still receive, on average, 46 of them a day. And by the way, just as a little note, uh, 8%, 8 8.4% is the highest reaction rate from these push notifications that happens on Tuesday mornings. 
So if you're really trying to like fight like when the push notifications are coming, they're coming Tuesday morning, all right? Because statistically, that's when we're trying to get your attention. What, what are we talking about here? See, I think that the struggle is not so much that somebody can't handle my full attention, but I think really the struggle for us is trying to give someone our full attention. Because we live in a world that's filled with all kinds of distraction. Today, we're going to continue our series called Speaking of Jesus, where we're looking at the way that, that Jesus would teach us and show us of what it looks like to share about who he is. And so far, we've talked about many different aspects of it. Uh, one, that it, we're called to do this. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And then remember, we talked about being ready, and we played the cha-cha slide. We were outside, and people were dancing around, because it's an invitation for us to join in on. Last week, we talked about being kind. And when we were talking about kindness, we said that kindness is loaning someone your strength instead of reminding them of their weakness. We're called to be kind, and today, we're going to talk about being present. And simply put, to be present means that I see you. You know, um, there are certain people in our lives that really can say certain things that just get our attention. My wife is obviously one of those people. She knows how to get my attention. And what she says to get my attention is this phrase right here. I know that you're here, but you're really not here. So I said, all right, babe, like, when have you ever had to say that to me? She said, well, for example, when we were on our 10-year anniversary trip down in Jamaica at this all-inclusive resort, and I was sitting there, like, thinking about stuff that was going on back home. She's like, you're here, but you're really not here. Or there was a time when uh, we were watching her favorite Christmas movie, It's a Wonderful Life, and I was sitting on the couch and playing on my cell phone, playing some baseball game or something like that at the end of the movie I was like that's a really good movie and she's like you're kidding me right you were here but you weren't here and then she said and last week when we were out to dinner and you started checking your phone I was like babe that's enough examples here all right <laughs> like I get the point because the reality is is for us it's hard to give people our attention we seem to be distracted by so many different things, whether it's our work, our jobs, all sorts of things that are happening, the news, push notifications, all of that just seems to leave us in places of distraction, where it's hard to be present with the people who are in front of us. And that's why today I want to look at this story, a beautiful story in the Old Testament of these three characters, Abraham, Sarah, and Hagar. Because it's in this story that we get this really messy situation that's actually very beautiful. And the beauty of this story is that God sees a character when it appears that he could be distracted. The context is this. Uh, Abraham is known as the father of many nations. You've maybe read about his story. He has this covenant with God or God makes a covenant with him. In Genesis 15, he says that you will be the father of many nations, that you will have descendants as many as the stars in the sky. But there's one big problem. Abraham and his wife 
aren't able to have kids. We read about this in the story of Genesis. And so uh, they think that, well, maybe God's just distracted. Maybe he's mixed up in how we're supposed to make this thing happen. And so they bring in one of their servants. Sarah actually appoints Hagar to go in and do the thing with Abraham. If you don't know what I'm talking about, we can talk after church, all right? But essentially, what goes on is that Hagar becomes pregnant. And, and as you could imagine, this does not go over well with the family. Sarah, in this moment, becomes very bitter and jealous of Hagar. And just a side note, by the way, I love that this story is in the Bible because a lot of times we think that, oh, they were God's chosen people. They were just perfect human beings. No, actually, this is a really messed up situation that Sarah gets so mad at Hagar for the very thing that she appointed her to do. And so Sarah sends Hagar into the wilderness, which is essentially a death sentence. And so Hagar goes off into the wilderness. And while she's there, God shows up. He, he says this in, in Genesis 16, verses 7 through 8. An angel of the Lord found her, Hagar, by a spring of water in the wilderness. <clears throat> in the, the spring on the way of Shur. And he said, Hagar, servant of Sarah, where have you come from and where are you going? I love that the detail that we get right off the bat here is this angel shows up as God and he comes with some questions as if he didn't know, but he still comes with these questions of where have you come from and where are you going? What we see immediately right here is that being present really does ask questions. It leaves us in a place of not just assuming all of these things, but really as we see that we're asking questions about what is going on and what will happen. I mean, God shows up and he begins with these questions for Hagar. He says, where have you come from? And where are you going? Things he probably knew, but is engaging in the present moment. And then we read, it continues on in verse 13, this beautiful passage here that may be overlooked. It says that, so she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her. Hagar, in the midst of the wilderness, in the midst of being put in this unjust, unfair situation, she then has this moment of where she calls God this name. Notice verse 13, that you are a God of seeing. For she said, truly, here I have seen him who looks after me. This is a really beautiful passage in, in the scriptures that we read. Uh, in fact, the name that Hagar gives, she's really the first person who gives a name to God. That name is El Roy, which means the God who sees me, the God who looks after me. See, being present also moves us into a place of that it sees the person in front of you. 
not distracted or looking beyond, but sees the one who's there in your midst. And what Hagar's saying in this very moment is that this God, the God who created the universe, he doesn't just see my tribe, he doesn't just see my clan, but he sees me in this moment. He sees me. And this is beautiful because this continues throughout Scripture. The God that we are worshiping today, we believe that he sees us here in the midst of COVID. Just to give you some passages here, we'll pray over these in a little bit. He knows the very number of the hairs on your head, Matthew 10.30. We read in another place, he says that you are more valuable than the sparrows in the sky. God clothes the fields and the birds of the air. He sees you. Psalm 139, 13 through 14, that you are fearfully and wonderfully made by the God who put everything into being. He doesn't get distracted, but he sees us. And the ultimate way that he sees us is by, by taking on flesh. By not saying that you got to rise to my level, but he comes down to our level. Taking on flesh, dying on a cross, rising again from the dead. Beautiful, the God who sees me. Now, when I think of that promise and truth, it reminds me of uh, a picture, an image, and I want to show this to you here. Um, and uh, this, is, uh, this is one of my favorite things that happened, gosh, what, four years ago, babe? Five, five years ago. Um, this is my daughter, Romy, and my wife one day, she sent me this video, and I'm going to play it for you here right now. <clears throat> Look at those chunky little toes right there. Now, I can't see your face right now because of a mask, and I'm glad you're wearing it, but if that doesn't bring a smile to your face, I don't know what will. I mean, this, this is a beautiful image. If you've ever had this moment before of being able to play peekaboo with a young child, I mean, I think of my daughter in this moment. She can hear her mother speaking to her. 
and the joy that comes with that of being present, that even though I got this dish towel in my head and I'm still figuring out how to use my hands, this brings joy and excitement because I know that she sees me. Amen? I know that she's present here. And I know that I got all kinds of distractions in me and on me and things that want to take my attention, but God promises that he sees me in the midst of this struggle, in the midst of this world, that this is the hope of who our God is, that he sees us. So you might be saying, all right, cool, um, God sees me, great. What does this have to do with speaking of Jesus? What does this have to do with talking about Jesus to others? I, I think it's so simple. It really leaves us in a place of that when we believe and know that our God sees us, it has us with the people around us asking questions, leading with a place of where did you come from or where are you going? That being present just like the angel who showed up to Hagar leads with those that we too get to lean into these things. And also that it puts us in a place of recognizing and being challenged to see the person in front of us. To not just look beyond them, not just check my phone, not just come with all of these assumptions, but to see people that are in front of us. Because this is how our God acts with us. See, I don't know how many of us in this lifetime, will have uh, influence that is on a national level opportunity. I mean, I don't know how many of us at some point in time will have Instagram followers in the millions or thousands. And, and I think what, what is so challenging of this is that for most of us in this world, we need to come to grips with every day how we use our time, how we use our attention, how we place or where we place our money or where we put our compassion. Those are ample and clear opportunities for us to make great impact in our world. Because too many times we get lost in this philosophy of that we need to do something that's so big and so grand. And I'm not saying that those things don't matter. They do, but never allow that to remove you from the people that God has placed right in front of you in this moment. Because God is a God who works in the present and he sees us. He wants us to share that hope with others. Amen. God, I thank you that you are one who is in our world, who promises to be present. And Lord, that is a hope that, that blows my mind today. That Lord, you have put us for such a time as this, in this very place. And God, I don't understand it, I'm not claiming to, 
fully know all of your plans. But for whatever reason, Lord, you call us to be present with the people that are around us, to share this hope, the joy. As I think of just a silly little video of a a young child who hears her mother's voice, I pray, God, that we would have that same joy, knowing that, that you, God, are calling us, that you're present here with us. And so I just want us to to soak in these words again, reminders of your presence in the midst of a world that's dealing with a pandemic, in the midst of a world that is voting in the next couple of weeks, in the midst of a world that has all sorts of systemic brokenness and injustice and all kinds of fault and sin and blaming all over the place. God, I pray that we would receive and be reminded of your promise. That even the hairs on our head are numbered by you because you see us. That, That you promise us that we are not forgotten in Luke 12. That that you clothe the fields and feed the birds that we are fearfully and wonderfully made, God, by you, the one who put all things into being. Ephesians 2 says this, verse 10, that we are your workmanship. You have put us together and you have created us in Christ Jesus for good works, to do good, which you prepared beforehand. And that we should walk in them. And lastly, Lord, I'm reminded of your word that says that we hear your voice like sheep who hear their shepherd. And that you, God, are the good shepherd. The one who has laid down your life for us. And so when we feel distracted, when when we think that we're forgotten, may we never forget that you are calling to us and that you laid down your life for us. So God, I'm so grateful for your presence and may we be in tuned and hear how you are amongst us now. In Jesus' name. Amen.